What is good, everybody? Welcome to another Gold Diggers podcast, part of the Niners Nation Podcast Network. I am Rob Stats Guerrero. She is Michelle Majuk. What's up, Michelle? Hey, hey. Another week. Um, another week of the 49ers doing absolutely nothing and not helping us create good content over here. <laughs> Can they uh, make it a little bit easier on us, please? Well, I, I at least felt a little better this week because we had the league meetings and we had John Lynch speaking and Kyle Shanahan speaking and Jed York speaking. And, and Kyle at least made me feel a little better about things. So we had something, even though it seems like everybody's still continuing to add to their team while the 49ers are doing things like picking up Kyle Juszczyk's option for the next billion years. I mean, I think that's that's the key right there, right? Are, how are you guys making yourselves better? Because it gets a little scary because you don't have those that first round pick. It's such a late second round pick. So nor, like some teams can be like, okay, we'll focus on filling a big hole in the draft. It's like you can focus on filling holes in the draft. It's just going to be less likely that they're going to be able to just come right in and start when you're not drafting anyone early. Yeah, that's one of the things I mentioned on the Gold Standard podcast yesterday was the Niners are putting a ton of faith in their drafting and developing uh, to either fill holes in this year's draft or to take guys that they've picked in recent years and have them now find themselves in starting roles. And they have done a good job, right? Hitting on middle round picks. They've, they've run some really nice picks. It's just depending on that it, with such a good roster, right? Like there's so many good pieces and you are in a great situation with the conference right now to win now, just depending on that. I'm not saying it's not possible to hit on this great star right away that can come in and really like fill a hole for the 49ers. Of course that's possible. I just a little risky to depend on that. That's all. It's the it's the hardest team building strategy to live with during the offseason because you see people getting traded, people getting signed in free agency. And even though, like you said, if they do it right, they can still end up with a ton of good players. It's hard to, to stomach that now when you see all these teams making all these crazy moves and you're like, damn, what are we doing? And it's like they keep saying, well, we want to focus on signing our own. Then do it like then extend Devo, extend Nick Bosa, like do something. So there is, you know, you can feel a little bit better about your team moving forward, because if they if they do let Devo play this year, they do let Nick Bosa uh, play. Yeah, they can franchise tag one of them. They're not going to leave. But like you do risk it. Right. You can only franchise tag one and then you could risk one of them leaving a team paying them too much and they leave and then you got nothing out of it. And that would really stink. Yeah, if I had to pick, they would franchise Debo and then because you get the Debo... fifth year option on Nick. Exactly, so that'll be. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think both. Is Nick Bosa really going to play on the fifth year option? Like these I, guys I are think... going to want their extension. I don't think that Bosa is going to step onto field for training camp this year. So we'll see if that actually happens. Uh, I want to remind everybody: please rate, review, and follow the Niners Nation Podcast Network. If you take the time to leave a review. We'll take the time to read it on the show. If you do leave a review, I'd appreciate it if you call me by my actual first name. Like the, Unlike the review I read on yesterday's show where they called me Matt, I don't really know where that came from, but apparently you said before we hit record, Michelle, that I look like a Matt. You do kind of look like a Matt. You don't look like a Rob. You look like a stats more than a Rob. Well, there you go. <laughs> that's true. Most people don't call me by my actual first name, so that's fine. Does um, anyone call you Robert? No, no, my no, my wife doesn't even call me Robert when she's mad at me. Bobby? No, I hate that. <laughs> I might start calling you Bobby. You kind of look like a Bobby. That stop it. You, I'm gonna <laughs> call you. 
don't Shelly. know. Shelly? Oh, God. Please tell don't me nobody calls you Shelly. Nobody calls me Shelly. But that would go with the whole Michelle thing. And you couldn't think of it. So I helped you out. There you go. Uh, two things we want to talk about on today's show. One, the over-unders for the 2022 season are out from our friends at DraftKings. I love Michelle over-under day. Like, I love it. We went through on the SB Nation NFL show. We picked the best over-under bet from every division. I went five for eight last year. And one of the ones I got wrong was a push from the stupid Saints. Like, I love over-unders. It's one of my favorite days of the whole year. They are a lot of fun. And some of them are so surprising, right? You go through it and you're like, wow, Vegas really likes this team way more than I do, or they're way lower. It's just interesting to see where they're at because some of these over-unders kind of blew my mind and they feel easy. And I always say it, I've said a million times on this podcast, anytime something seems easy, you almost always get it wrong. Like Vegas knows what they're doing, uh, but there's some really fun ones to talk about. So we're going to dive into the number for the Niners and a couple other teams. And then, and this is like, caught me totally off guard but i love it you were in the lab this week you decided to do a little running back research and you were in the lab you were looking at all the running backs drafted in the first four rounds since 2015 and you threw in a couple other names as well you have your own special formula where you've cooked up some numbers for us and and what has come out of that is very good news for the 49ers so we're going to get to that as well but let's start with the over-unders the Niners have the fifth best over-under, or I should say fifth highest win total in the NFC this year. Their number is right at 10. And as usual, Michelle, Vegas nails it. Yep, exactly that. If it was at nine and a half, I'd be cool, take that over. Like that would make me feel really good. If it was at 10 and a half, 10 and a half, I might say, okay, I might bet that under. I feel like I would predict them to win 10 games. Like they hit it perfectly. And now it's, I feel like it's a flip of the coin. I really do. I could see them winning 11 games. I could see them winning nine, but I feel like that's their, that's their area right there. It's, I can't see them winning less and I can't see them really winning more, uh, less than nine or winning more than 11. And I think Vegas knows it because the over 10 is minus 115, which if anybody doesn't know, that means you have to bet $115 to win a hundred dollars, but the under 10 is also minus it's minus 105 so what i think they're telling you is we don't really know what to expect from trey lance we could easily see both of these things happening but considering that the over is minus 115 that means vegas is telling you that's the more likely scenario so that's kind of good like vegas doesn't get a lot of this stuff wrong and they seem to have more faith than not in trey lance listen their schedule it's there for them to win more than 10 games. Like you look at it, Washington, they should beat the Falcons, the Panthers, the Cardinals. They should at least beat them one time. The Rams, they owe, like they're going to beat them one time. They always do. Now you have the Seahawks without Russell Wilson twice. Maybe they don't win both of those, but they should definitely have one. They have the Saints. They have the Bears. They have the Dolphins. It should be a win. Like that right there is 10 games. And those are all games that if we go into that week, we're going to predict them to win. Now, obviously, they won't win them all, but they're going to have to win some of the harder games, too, right? Like, if they're actually a Super Bowl contender, you can't just predict them to lose every hard game on their schedule. So they're going to have to pull out some of those as well. They should win 11 or 12 games. It's just, I mean, looking at Shanahan's records, it's not its not a beautiful thing. So <laughs> you're, you're trusting on this team to stay healthy, which is the biggest key. And, you know, 49ers have had bad luck in that area. And then also... 
you're trusting in a brand new starting quarterback. This is the worst year in the history of football to be playing the AFC West. Chandler Jones is on the Cardinals. He's leaving. Great. Where did he go? To the Raiders. Ah, oh, who do we play? The Raiders. Russell Wilson, 17 and four against the Niners in his career. He's leaving. Great. Finally, where did he go? Denver Broncos. Damn it. <laughs> Khalil Mack was in the NFC. Where did he go? Chargers. It's like unbelievable that of all years. Devontae is, Adams. Right. This is the year we've <laughs> got to play the NFC or the AFC West. Like, damn. That schedule is, I think it's tougher than you think, Michelle. I mean, Brady retires, comes back. Great. We got to play the Buccaneers. You can say all you want about the commanders, but the last two times Carson Wentz has played the 49ers, he's beaten them, which is pathetic. The Dolphins, that's a tough game. Now it's Mike McDaniel, a guy that knows the 49ers offense, you know, as good as any coach in the league. That's not Kyle Shanahan. This is really tough in terms of picking the over-under. Listen, though, but if you actually think your team is good and we're actually going to say they have a legitimate shot, well, I just butchered that word, but I'm not even (laughs) going to say it again, uh, at making making a run for the Super Bowl, then you can't just say, ooh, I don't know if we can beat the Dolphins or, you know, I don't know if we can beat Carson Wentz. It's like, all right, but if you actually think they're good, then you have to predict for them to at least be very competitive in these games and have a real shot at winning. And yes, they have to play Tom Brady. You have to play Patrick Mahomes. You have to play the AFC West. It's going to be hard. It's never easy to go play at the Raiders. Like never was easy to go play in Oakland. It seems like it's not even easier to go play in Vegas. Russell Wilson does have your number, but you got to win some of these games, right? And they do have some easy ones on the schedule. So if I had to put down some money, if I had to put down a hundred bucks, I'm betting the over. I don't wow. feel amazing about it. Only I'm more scared of Trey Lance because of the offensive line. I'm so scared of this offensive line. We'll see if they can somehow fix it before the season starts, but I'm really scared. Yeah. When you're going into the season with potentially two, maybe three new starters on the offensive line, that is always scary. I don't know that I would bet this right now, Michelle, because I think that the order of the schedule is going to be a major I was factor. I say that. And we don't know it yet. We probably, I think next month is the uh, schedule reveal. But depending on how the games line up and what week is the short week and and all of this stuff, um, I would feel a lot differently. Like if they've got to play the AFC West like one after another for some reason, like I would feel way, way worse. Um, but I, we'll have to see how it lines up. But I, man, I don't know. But likely, like we said, we think it's, we think it's going to be close to that amount of wins, right? So every game is going to matter so mm-hmm. much. And if, you know, Trey Lance goes into his first start and let's say they put him in that first Thursday game, the first game of the year, and they have to go play the Rams. Yes, you guys have normally beat them, but that's a really tough game for Trey Lance to go in as the first time as a starter for the full season and, you know, have to go beat the Super Bowl winners in massive primetime game so it's like that if you have a bunch of hard games to start the year where Trey Lance didn't really get to gain that experience yet that's where some of those losses could come in and then you know it was already a close call to begin with I don't think that they're going to start against the Rams and the reason is because the Niners will take over that stadium again and they don't want the Super Bowl champion to open up their year defending the title raising the banner 
when they don't have like the home field advantage type of thing. So I think that that's going to save them from that. Cause I agree. That would be a really tough spot for Trey Lance. I'd love to see the Niners open against like Carolina. Perfect. Give me Carolina right off the bat. A nice softer kind of landing for Trey Lance. Like that is good. I don't want to see like friggin' Patrick Mahomes or Russell Wilson in week one. Yeah. If you get the Panthers or the Falcons, or even like the bears you also like the bears are a team that should definitely be a win but let's say is the bears game in san francisco or at chicago it's at chicago so let's say that is just a random game in december all of a sudden if it's snowy and it's freezing and it's windy um that you know the ball can bounce either way and that could somehow turn into a loss so it's like you'd rather that game be much earlier in the season at least we'll finally get the Trey Lance, Justin Fields game that I was hoping for last year. Like, finally, we had to wait an extra year for it. We're going to get that. We have the, the North Dakota State Bowl with Carson Wentz and Trey Lance. Like, there's a, there's a lot of notable storylines in almost every single week this year. It's, it's kind of crazy. Looking at every team's schedule... I'm like, oh, well, teams are good this year. Like there's, I feel like there's either really, really bad teams or really, really good teams. And there's not a lot of those middle teams anymore. So it's like every team has games where you're like, okay, they should win these. Um, But then there's also games where you're like, ooh, man, there's just so many good teams. I guess there are still a lot of bad teams, but those middle teams where you're like, okay, this they can squeak out a win here. They're kind of limited. It's pretty much like the Cardinals. I feel like they're a middling team maybe the Steelers, but there's not a lot of middle teams. I agree. There's either there's haves and have nots, really. Uh, Just to go through the NFC West quickly, the Rams have the highest win total in the division at 10 and a half. Niners next at 10, Cardinals at nine, and the Seahawks. And damn, if it doesn't feel good to say this, the Seahawks win total last in the division at six, which is just beautiful. I think I might even take the under on that. Uh, in the NFC, I mentioned the Niners have the fifth best odds. It's the Bucks at 11 and a half, Packers at 11, Cowboys and Rams at 10 and a half, and then the Niners at 10. Uh, you know, when I zoom out and look at this, Michelle, the teams in the AFC are so good. I want to take the under on everybody in the AFC because every game is tough. And I want to take the over on everybody in the NFC because there's a lot of crap teams. What's funny, because I picked out some bets that I loved, and I picked two overs in the AFC, and I picked two unders in the NFC. Uh, So I guess I I didn't really think that through all that much, but they're just being too mean to both the Ravens and the Steelers, two teams that just win like every season. And I I think they're overestimating the the new funness of teams. Let's start with the Ravens. Their over-under is nine and a half. Tell me why you think that's too low. Well, they won eight games last year, and that's with losing their last five games in a row. Lamar didn't play in those five games. He played for one second in that first game. Like, he played 14% of snaps, had four pass attempts. He got hurt. Then they, they lost that game, and they lost the next four. They were just decimated with injuries last year. Two massive players, even Marlon Humphrey got Torres Peck in week 13. Didn't play the last five games of the season. They lost those. The defense was just not its normal self because of all those injuries. They lost both of their starting running backs to even start the season. I feel like we forget about that. J.K. Dobbins goes down with that ACL tear. Gus Edwards goes down. They lose them both for the season. They had, they were throwing out. Um, what's his name out there? Le'Veon Bell was even playing at one point for that team. Like it was <laughs> bad in that backfield. 
Rashad Bateman, their, their first round pick last year, he had core muscle surgery right before the season started, missed the whole preseason, missed the beginning of the season. Now he, you know, should be better in his second year. I think the Ravens win this division. So I, I'm putting them over 10 wins. Lamar Jackson's too good. He's a winner. He really is. The Ravens are just a, a winning franchise. So I, I think they win 11 plus games and they win this division. On Tuesday, uh, somebody put on a chart on Twitter that I quote tweeted, and it was all the injuries from every team in the NFL, and it had different quadrants, and it was basically each section of the graph was a different thing. Not a lot of players, not a lot of good players lost to injury, or there was few players lost, but they were really good. And so it, it, different plots on the graph told you different things about the number of players that each team lost and how good those players were. And all alone, totally by themselves, in the upper right-hand corner of the graph, which is tons of players lost and tons of really good players lost, the Baltimore Ravens are there. Like, they're almost off the picture. That's how <laughs> far away from all the other teams they are. They were absolutely devastated by injuries. But I don't know. I don't know if I have as much faith in Lamar as you they do have a tough schedule. I think all their division games, of course, are going to be difficult because the AFC North is always difficult. You know, we don't know what to expect from the Browns with Deshaun Watson and when he's going to play and how many games he's going to play. They still have to play the Bills. They have to play the Broncos. The Patriots game is not going to be easy. They play the Buccaneers. Mm, I'm not worried about know. it. They're a good team and good teams beat other good teams. I'm not worried about it. I, I don't think they're going to go far in the playoffs because, you know, Lamar never does. He somehow always chokes in the playoffs. But, I mean, you don't have to face this quarterback twice a year. He's so hard to beat. <laughs> like, it's so annoying. Lamar Jackson just does such annoying things. And it's so hard to stop him. And you know exactly what the play call is going to be on the most important drive of the game, most important play of the game. He's going to run up the damn middle or that first down. <laughs> and you're like, just, just guard that. Just guard that. Please. I'm always screaming at the TV. You know, he's going to run up the middle. You know, he's going to run up the middle. He runs up the middle and he still gets it. Teams can't stop it. That's the most difficult thing about him is that even if you game plan, right. And you do everything you're supposed to do, you still have to tackle him. And he's just unbelievably elusive. So I, I hope he stays healthy because I love watching him. He's so much fun. He's tough to prepare for. I don't know that I'm going to join you in that one, though. But OK, so the Steelers were the next team up that you mentioned. They're at seven and a half. Please tell me you you have more than just Mike Tomlin never has a losing record. I was just I mean, there is a, there's more to that. But the last time they didn't hit this was in 2003. You have to go all the way back to 2003. And you might say, well, they drafted Big Ben in 2004. That's cool. But I mean, lately, he has not been the Big Ben of what we know it's been bad they won eight games in 2019 with duck hodges and mason rudolph i don't care what you think of mitch trubisky he is better than those guys and the offense in general was i mean they had a rookie deontay johnson no chase claypool a banged up james connor they're rolling out starting benny snell the worst running back in the league no pat firemuth so i i just think they're an upgraded offense they still have most of those defensive pieces from that season they're still a really good defense i i Mike Tomlin's not going to lose that many games. They're going to win eight games, at least. Other than their divisional games, I feel like their toughest games are at home, too. The Raiders game won't be easy. That's at home. Patriots game, that's at home. Buccaneers, that's at home. Their road schedule is pretty soft. Atlanta, 
Carolina, Indy, Miami, the Eagles. Now they do have to play the Bills on the road. But other than that, the Steelers' road schedule is pretty soft. I don't have that much faith in Mitchell Trubisky at all. But that schedule, you can't ask for an easier schedule in the AFC for sure. So I think I might have to join you on that. I think I will take the over on the Steelers. You kind of convinced me. Yeah, I mean, you're betting on something that we haven't seen happen yet. And it's been a very long time that Mike Tomlin's been a head coach. And we have not seen him have a losing season. Now, if you want to bet on that happening for the first time, go do it. But I, I would not. Okay. Do you have any others that you liked? Yeah. So I'm going over to the NFC now. Atlanta Falcons. They have him them at under five. So they have them winning five games. It started at six, by the way. So it's already dropped again. People were clearly <laughs> betting that like crazy. I'm still taking under five. There's only Oof. five games on their schedule that I even see as possible wins. It's Washington, Carolina, twice, Chicago, and Seattle. And I still think they have a worse roster out of all of those teams besides maybe Chicago. I don't know, but they have Marcus Mariota as a starting quarterback. Their offensive line is brutal. They have no running back. They have no wide receivers. They only have Kyle Pitts, their defensive side of the ball. They lost their leading tackler. They have a nice cornerback group with AJ Terrell and Casey Hayward, but that's like the only spot on their roster that does not have a massive hole on it. Uh, and tight end obviously, but I don't, I don't see them winning five games at all. One of my favorite things to do for these is to look at a team schedule and say, all right, I know things get crazy, but let's just look here. How many games can I look and say like automatic win? And with the Falcons, it's like none. That's the terrifying thing. Even though the number is low, I don't know that, like you said, maybe Seattle, but maybe not. (laughs) They could easily be just as bad. I don't, I don't like anything about the Falcons. I think they're going to look back and say that, that drafting Kyle Pitts was a mistake, not because he's not good. He is, but he's a, he's a tight end. Like they, I don't think they add that much value to your team, especially with how high they drafted him. So I just think it's going to be bad for Atlanta. It's going to be bad this year. Maybe if they can get some quarterback in there next year, things could be different. But I don't like that roster, like you said. Even in a weak division, I I don't think they're making six. I really don't. They might win five, but I don't think there's any way they win six. No, and I I think I agree with you there with Kyle Pitts. Like, they had the chance to draft Justin Fields, and then you should have just traded away Matt Ryan last year. If you're going to eat so much cap anyways, you should have just done it. And you probably would have got more than just a third round pick for him last year. So they, you know, they just kind of wasted a year. And now their roster is just so bad. It's, it's so, so bad. bad. I, they should be the number one pick next year. Like, I, I don't see them winning more than three games. So I would love that under. And then the same thing with the Bears. They're giving them seven wins. Whoa. Seven wins. I think they're the worst. Like with the Falcons, their roster is just absolutely atrocious. They only won six last year and they have definitely not gotten better. I think. They've gotten worse. They haven't added any notable playmakers for Justin Fields. Lost Allen Robinson. Lost a good young piece of their offensive line in James Daniels. They traded away their star defender, Khalil Mack. They have no first-round pick. Like This roster is not good whatsoever, and they've added nothing in free agency. And their schedule is not super easy. I see seven games that they could even possibly win. Possibly. And they would have to win all of those. I think it comes down to how much faith you have in Justin Fields, right? If you think he's good, he was, it was all I don't think it matters. We say, we saw Sean Watson on a bad team win four games. 
four That's games. That's true. It led- they're not putting Justin Fields in a place to win whatsoever. Justin Fields can look great out there, and I still don't think they win games. Yeah, that's a good point. I was going to say, if you have faith that he's going to make a giant leap forward, then you can take advantage of it. But there's how is he going to make a giant leap forward? He's Darnell Mooney is the only wide receiver (laughs) that you can probably name on the roster right now. That's it. Darnell Mooney, who I do think is a solid talent, but he should not be any team's wide receiver one. And it's not even like they have a few Darnell Mooney's like type players. No, it's Darnell Mooney is by far the best player on that offense. And nobody else. The line's not good. I don't know. I feel bad for Justin Fields. He's stuck in a garbage situation. I do like Matt Eberflus, but I don't think year one is going to be. I never ding first. They year haven't done coaches. anything to right. be good. Like, like you have to make some moves. You got to bring in some people, especially when you don't have a first round pick and your team was already pretty bad last year. And then you're losing Allen Robinson and Khalil Mack. Like. Maybe your best piece on both sides of the ball. I know Allen Robinson sucked last year, but you're still losing two massive pieces and adding nobody. Yeah, I have to agree with you. That that Bears number is is not so high. It's higher than I I mean, to say that they would be near five hundred is I think yeah. the Lions win more games than them next year. Like I think the Bears will end in last place in the NFC North, you know, with the Packers, the Vikings, Lions, and then I think it goes Bears. Lions number is six, if you're wondering. Hard knocks. The Lions are on hard knocks this year. Does that interest you in any way? I don't know. Poor Jared Goff. It's going to be his third time (laughs) on hard knocks. (laughs) Poor guy living the hard knocks life. But uh, I don't know. I I wouldn't want to bet they're over either. It's not me saying, okay, the Lions will win more games than the Bears. I just think the Bears line is that far off. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if they win four games next year. Four games is where I would put it. Brutal. Uh, it's amazing to me that in a league that is designed for everybody to be 500 and for everybody to have hope going into the off season, there are so many teams this year where you're like, what is, what is there to even root for? Like, what is the best case scenario here? I mean, luckily they have Justin Fields. Maybe he can pull a miracle out, but I mean, people will point to Joe Burrow changing over the Bengals, but he had Jamar Chase and T Higgins and Tyler Boyd. Uh, to you know, and Joe Mixon, he had these stars to utilize in the offense. That's Darnell Mooney does not equal. They they brought him Brian Pringle from the Chiefs. Look out! You heard of that man? But <laughs> Woo! yeah, it's it's not fun for them. So you can go to DraftKings uh, sportsbook.draftkings.com. You can check out all the over unders. Uh, I probably will even look at these again once the actual schedules come out because, like I said, that can change my opinion here or there. Uh, so those you know, are the... and on the Eagles over eight and a half. Oh, you're on the players. Eagles again this year. Oh, yeah, for sure. And they're they're not respecting them with that eight and a half wins in the NFC. Get out of here. They won nine uh, last year. Yeah, honestly, I wouldn't be shocked if the Eagles won the division, to be totally honest with you. I think Dallas has gotten significantly worse this year. I was really surprised that their number was ten and a half. And I know like the rest of the NFC East is not that strong, but how are the Cowboys better in any way this year than last year? They lost Amari Cooper. They re-signed Michael Gallup, but he's going to miss a few games because he's not going to be ready with the uh, with the torn ACL. CeeDee Lamb has flashed at times, but he's also looked really, really bad at times. I think their defense is worse. I don't think there's any way they get nearly as many turnovers this year. You don't as they think did Trayvon Diggs year. is going to get 11 interceptions every single year? Right. Like, and if you don't, if they didn't get those turnovers, their defense was garbage. It was buns. 
and I don't think they're going to be good. And honestly, I think Mike McCarthy, I don't even know if McCarthy lasts the whole year because everybody in their He's mother. He's a bad knows. coach. He is a bad coach. And Jerry wants to hire Sean Payton. He's wanted to hire Sean Payton for like five years. He's going to can McCarthy as soon as possible. I think it's going to be a bad, bad year for the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's just, I don't think the roster is that bad. And I think Dak Prescott is a really good quarterback. So I'll still have them winning the division, but I think it'll be close. Like I think the Eagles will be around 10 wins and then maybe Dallas gets the 11 wins there. So I would still make having them win just because I like Dak more than Jalen Hurts a little bit. Love Jalen Hurts. Don't take it wrong, but Dak's just a better quarterback. I think we can all admit that. So that's our look at the over-unders for 2022. Like I said, you can go place your own bets. I'm going to, I might wait on the Niners, just keep an eye on it and see, because maybe all the bets come in in one direction and it swings it. Cause if that number moves at all, I'll feel really confident about my bet, right? Like if it goes up to 11, I would feel good with the under. And if it goes down to nine, I would feel good with the over. If they could just make it nine and a half, you know, <laughs> if they just made it nine and a half, I would feel good. Cause I really think 10 is their sweet spot. But 10 is, I mean, I guess you at least push, right? If they get 10, you're going to push. You don't lose your money. Yeah, but I don't, I want to win money. I don't, I'm not trying to just not lose. (laughs) Well, it's better to not lose than to lose. If I just want to keep my money, then I just won't bet at all. (laughs) Come on now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I would love, you know, the betters to come in and push down this line to nine and a half wins. And then you go grab that over I yeah would you ever bet the under on the 49ers like would you really put down that bet I don't know because then like you're in a situation where like they're losing and you're kind of happy like I don't I don't like that no. it's just like betting over the under. 100 bucks too right like you're not gonna bet more than 100 dollars. I wouldn't think maybe you would I would never in not my me. lifetime I don't even bet more than like 10 but uh yeah I I just I can't imagine putting down an under on my favorite team you know, because like, like, what's the fun in that? Right. Like I'll put the under in on the Seahawks and then just laugh as it all goes down. I think they hit that better. over. Uh, personally, I think they trade for Baker Mayfield. And if they do, I think they win seven or eight games. That's true. See, that's another thing, too. Right. Like there are a couple swing moves like that, where if you're confident, like I was saying uh, on the NFL show, if the Chiefs were to trade for like a DK Metcalf, I might feel better about their over because right now it's Juju and like. Miko Hardman there. And that's not really great, even though Patrick Mahomes is awesome. But you give MBS, them a yes, stu- baby. You give them a stud wide receiver, and then all of a sudden you add Juju as a two, MBS, Kelsey's still there. Then you're like, damn, all right, that's pretty good. So you're right. If the Seahawks trade for Baker, their outlook looks a lot better than Drew freaking Locke. So maybe you, you and do- if you think if you think the Packers are going to get a wide receiver one, either trade for one or you know, take a guy in the first round that will come in and start immediately, then you should be betting that over 11. I mean, they've won 13 games each of the last three seasons. I'm guessing their over is only, I mean, 11 kind of high. I guess it's the highest out of all these. Oh, only behind the Buccaneers. So they are giving them credit, but I, I think this should be higher. Maybe Devonte Adams is pushing it down, but if they get, if they get a wide receiver in there, they're going to win more than 11 games with Aaron Rodgers. They're the ones I don't understand. Why aren't they going nuts to try and find a wide receiver? And like, yeah, maybe you can draft one, but here's the thing. Rodgers may only be there for this year. So you may not have him long enough for that guy to develop into the type of player that you're hoping he turns into. Whereas I would take one of those extra picks they got for Adams, ship it to Seattle. See if you can get a DK Metcalf. You put DK in Green Bay 
with Aaron Rodgers. Holy hell, he's just going to be chucking it all over the place there. That would be fantastic. I don't get why the Packers are not showing more urgency. Yeah, or at least go get Tyler Lockett, who will be cheaper, right? Get that deep threat for Aaron Rodgers. That'd be really nice together. I do really love the wide receivers in this class that they can get in the first round. They might have to, you know, move up a little bit to secure a guy that's more safe to you know, go out there right away. But if they get a Chris Olave or Garrett Wilson or even, oh man, if they could get Drake London, that would just be such a beautiful fantasy asset. But even if they get a guy like Traylon Burks, who's just a monster of a man who is yards after catch machine as well, like they're going to be fine as long as they actually, you know, get somebody. Like they cannot go in. <laughs> Imagine if they don't use either of their first round picks on a wide receiver. Again. Would you be stunned at this point, though? Like, honestly, like, what if they 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 don't do that? Now that they don't have Adams, you have to like, and you have to. I, I mean, no MVS either. Yeah, you don't have. You have Alan Lazard. I mean, that's your <laughs> wide receiver. And Randall <laughs> Cobb. Don't forget. One. Don't forget. Aaron yeah. made him go get Randall friggin' Cobb, the ghost of Randall that's Cobb, true. I should say. All right, let's take a break. When we come back, like I said earlier, Michelle was in the lab. You've been doing some running back research, and what you found was actually really good and exciting news for the 49ers. Back here on the Gold Diggers podcast. Okay, Michelle, you had a little running back project this week that I love that you did. I don't know, what inspired this project? Is it Was this an NFL Network assignment, or did you just say, I'm going to get a little nuts here? No, I like to do it for fantasy. I like to just mess around with some data to see if I can pick out any prospects in this draft class that, you know, I want to take in my rookie drafts because I play dynasty fantasy football um, because I'm a degenerate and I'm obsessed (laughs) with fantasy football. But, you know, if you play that, you got to pick out your rookies. You have a rookie draft and you have to hit on them. It's a it's a huge um, it's a huge thing if you're going to be successful and win some championships. It's kind of like the NFL. And that way you got to hit on your draft pick. So. I did it for that reason. It is crazy to do dynasty league. I am in a dynasty baseball league and I have been for like the past seven years. So we did our draft last night and I only made 10 picks because that's how many keepers we have. Like you're it's, it's a totally different type of draft. So that's cool to, to hear that you do it with football. So, okay. Explain to people what you did and, and okay, we'll go from there. First start with your process. Okay. So I took all of the running backs drafted in the first four rounds since 2015. And I gathered all their data from their college career. So uh, it, it's all like if they played three years, then it's all of their data from their three years, four years, so on. Um, so I took their missed tackles per attempt. I took their yards after contact per, per attempt. I took their yards per route run. I took their receiving PFF grade, their rushing PFF grade. I took their 10-yard split from their 40-yard dash and then also the 40-yard dash. I think both are important. The 40-yard dash shows their breakaway speed. Um, and then the 10 yard split kind of shows what bursts they have to break through that hole if the offensive line does open that up. So I think both are important. With all of these metrics, I kind of I graded them out differently. Um, so like let's say missed tackles per attempt was 15 percent of their ranking and so on. They all are weighted differently. And I averaged them all out with those weighted uh, grades. And then I just, you know, ordered them and how they ranked. So the lower the number, the better. The top guy here came out to be Travis Etienne. He was the best ranked running back out of all of these classes. And we haven't got to see him play yet. And hopefully that injury doesn't, you know, destroy his career. But he's the best one. Now, I wanted to point out Elijah Mitchell was the fourth best running back 
out of this entire group. Now you might say, well, he wasn't drafted in the first four rounds. Yes, I know that. But I added in Elijah Mitchell just to see where he would fall among these guys with these same numbers. And he's a baller. And if you want me to name the top 10 here to say, well, what does this mean? It's Travis Etienne, Antonio Gibson, who's just like, his numbers Mm. are so skewed. He had 33 carries in college. So his numbers were insanely high based off those, but he is a good player. Javante Williams, Elijah Mitchell, Alvin Kamara, Joe Mixon, Rashad Penny, Jonathan Taylor, Najee Harris, and Saquon Barkley. Those are my top 10 prospects when it comes to when when I did this data. And if you're looking at the top, the bottom 15, it's all like really bad guys besides Derrick Henry. That's where this process kind of falls there. Derrick Henry did fall in the bottom 15, but the rest is Anthony McFarland, Alexander Madison, Naheem Hines, Wayne Gallman, Benny Snell, Kalen Balazs, Deonta Foreman, TJ Yeldon, Joe Williams, a San Fran, oh, man. San Fran guy, Jamal <laughs> Williams, and Matt Jones. So it's like, the bad players actually did all fall to the bottom in this ranking, which is a good sign besides Derek Henry, who just, he didn't have good individual metrics. He had good volume metrics in college, but like what he was doing individually without his, you know, the, the team around him, they just weren't very good. No way around that. And the 49ers had another guy higher up than you thought. Trey Sermon, baby, balled at 17 right below Dalvin Cook as a prospect. I'm wow. telling you, I love Trey Sermon coming out. He's a really good prospect. I don't know if he fits in the 49er system, but I hope they give him a shot. I hope it's Elijah Mitchell and Trey Sermon together because I think they're both really good and can be utilized in different ways. It looks like Trey Sermon's doing his thing out there this this offseason, really trying to get back on track. But I think they could be a great duo together if you know Kyle Shanahan lets him play. Right. Like use Trey Sermon. You know, everything they said about Sermon last year really frustrated me because it was all, well, we had to change his running style to fit with our scheme. And it's like, well, then why would you trade up to draft that guy? Just draft someone whose style already fits your scheme like they did with Elijah Mitchell, who they got very late in the draft. So I don't know what the thinking was there. I was convinced after the draft last year that the 49ers were going to transition to more of a power running system with Trey Lance to utilize Lance as a runner. That's why I thought they took Aaron Banks and Jalen Moore, a couple of bigger offensive linemen. I thought that that's what they were going to do. Now, they didn't end up doing that at all last year, really. They did a little with Trey Lance, but he didn't play enough for it to really matter. Maybe now they're kind of planning that for this year. I don't know. So maybe that means that Sermon would have more of a role But I agree with you. I would love to see a two-headed monster of Mitchell and Sermon because it can't just be Elijah Mitchell. He was banged up all year last year. I don't think he can be, you know, a 250, 300 carry a year guy. Yeah, he really shouldn't. And hopefully they do learn from Raheem Mostert that, hey, let's keep, you know, a running back healthy. Let's let's plug in a guy that he could take some touches from him. I mean, we saw that with the Cardinals, right? James Conner was doing his thing when he got the ball, but they knew not to feed him too much because that body can't stay healthy, right? He has, you know, he just gets injured all the time. And then finally at the end of the year when they had to use him a lot, he did get injured, right? He hurt his ankle. Like as soon as they had to use him in volume, you have to like understand how to use these players. So I do, I think Elijah Mitchell's a great, great talent, but I do think they should limit his touches a little bit, get another guy's. Uh, one thing I wanted to note here, maybe a possible, because you said you think the 49ers will take a running back again this year in the draft. Yep. 
one thing. So in these rankings, it goes uh, Dalvin Cook, Trey Sermon, then James Cook. By the way, James Cook is Dalvin Cook's brother. He's in this draft. Mm. Uh, but they were like right next to each other in these rankings as prospects coming out of school, which is funny to me. Now, James Cook is a little bit smaller than Dalvin Cook, but he he's a fast dude. Like he's a breakaway runner, uh, better receiver too coming out of school. So maybe that could be a guy that the 49ers look at with one of their uh, late third round picks. But definitely an interesting prospect to keep an eye on if they, you know, if they are just going to give up on Trey Sermon. I think even if they keep Sermon, they're going to draft a running back. Because honestly, like I think that Jamichael Hasty's his days are numbered. Like he he adds nothing on the team. They tried to use him as a third down back last year. He really can't do it. His pass protection stinks. He's missing assignments left, right, and center. He can kind of catch the ball a little bit, but it's not spectacular. So I don't think that his roster spot is secure by any stretch of the imagination. I think the Niners are going to take a running back and at least one wide receiver, maybe two. Um, so I, I don't know. I think that because they need to take a wide receiver. It's, it's Ayuk, it's Debo, it's Jawan Jennings, it's Ray Ray McLeod. Ray Ray McLeod is not, he's not a wide receiver. Like just no, just stop with that. <laughs> I just love that he's on your team now. Uh, this is going to be fun whenever he just does a head scratching play. Uh, it's, you know, he's going to drive you crazy, but I, I do believe that the 49ers definitely need to focus on wide receiver. I like they better not waste one of their early picks on a running back. That would be silly. Maybe take a guy in the fifth, six and, and see what happens there. Um, Cause I, I do just think they have two really good wide running backs on their roster right now. You can fill that third, third running back so much easier than drafting them in the second or third or even fourth round, like wait till much later. The other thing I wanted to point out, because I think it's worth keeping an eye on, it's actually something that Akash tweeted this week. The 49ers have 11 picks in 2023. They don't have a first-round pick, of course, but they have three-thirds. They have a fourth, two-fifths, a sixth, three-sevenths. If you start to get into some of the comp picks, maybe, I'm just saying it's possible that if the Niners see somebody they like this year, Maybe they put together some picks this year and some picks next year to move up to grab somebody, which Jaylen is Jalen Petrie which in is the second. Jalen Petrie. Maybe, maybe your dream of George Karloftis for the 49ers is not dead yet, Michelle. No, they would have to move up into like the top 18 to get George Karloftis, but they can get Jalen Petrie maybe in the top of the second move up like top 10 picks in the second move up for him. You sent me a, a tweet out saying that you think, Someone, I don't remember who it was, saying they think they like Jalen Petrie, the 49ers. Yeah, I think it was KP. I think it was Kyle Posey. I could see the Niners taking like maybe a third round pick this year, a second round pick next year, maybe, and like Dre Greenlaw and moving up. I I wouldn't be stunned at all if Dre Greenlaw gets traded at some point before the start of next season. I'm just saying they've got picks there. If they want to move, they can move. And they've shown like they're not scared to trade up in drafts. John Lynch moves up the draft a lot. They moved up to take uh who was it? Brandon Ayuk, I think. They moved up to take Trey Sermon. They, they moved up to take a couple of people that maybe they shouldn't have in the past, but they are willing to do it. That's for sure. I just can't believe they moved up for Trey Sermon. It's like you know what kind of running back he was. You know he like, yep. how did you not see if he was going to fit your system or not? It's not like you change it didn't change anything. Um, 
Trey Simmons a good running back. I really don't want him to like his career to just die because he got drafted by the 49ers. I was excited <laughs> for him coming out. And I really, when I was doing this project, I had no idea Trey Sermon was going to end up there. I honestly figured with the way he wasn't utilized at all this year that he's probably going to end towards the bottom. So I was shocked when he was that high. And it just proved like, it doesn't prove he's a good player, but he's in with a lot of great names here. It's like, give him at least a shot. Because even after him, it's Kareem Hunt, it's David Montgomery, it's DeAndre Swift, like guys who are starters in this league that have performed more than fine. Uh, so give this dude a shot to show something. I was surprised. To, well, I shouldn't say surprised. I was sad when you said the name Saquon Barkley because he is such a shell now of what he was coming out of Penn State. Like he was incredible. And now I think he's. He's ass now, Michelle. Like he has games where I know the Giants offensive line is not good, but like he is really, really bad. And I just think it, you know, the volatility at that spot at that position is so crazy that you could have the stud of all studs and just one freaking injury and they just never come back the same. So with Saquon Barkley, I realized like I was always willing to admit he's a great athlete and just a great like he is a good running back, but he always drove me crazy. And he was never really a guy I wanted on my favorite team because he either broke one for 60 yards or he lost three yards. Yes, There was very little in between. And for the amount of times he had to lose three yards to finally break one off, it was killing drives too much and killing the team. Like if all, if every time you touch the ball, you, it's not every time you lose a yard, but if you're starting at two and 12, like often because you keep losing yards because you're trying to hit the home run. So you're trying to like, you know, play around in the backfield. It's like, that's not really the runner I love. Um, I get that his highlight reel is amazing and he is a really, truly special athlete, at least before the ACL tear, but he was never a running back that I would have wanted on my favorite team. So there you go. Let's give Trey Sermon a little more love. Hopefully Kyle Shanahan's listening. I'm sure he is. There you go, Kyle. Give Trey Sermon a little love. It'll be better for everybody. Better for you. Better for the offense. Better for Elijah Mitchell. Better for Trey Lance. Let's go. It's time Rashad to Rashad Penny was up there. You hear that name? Nope. I don't Rashad even know Penny, what you're talking baby. about. That's, that's my baby. That's like the only reason I'm rooting for the Seahawks to do anything this year is just so Rashad Penny can have some <laughs> life in fantasy because he's my he's my dude. You're just mad because none of your offseason predictions for the 49ers and your plan have come to pass. And if they don't, if less than two of them come to pass, you have to eat the mayonnaise. What if I like what if I sit here and I enjoy the mayonnaise? Will that gross you out even? Yes. More? Like I said, that's even worse. <laughs> that's worse than you throwing up is you just sitting there like, oh, this is great. I'm going to try my hardest to just act like I really enjoy it. Oh, we'll see how it goes. God. I feel like it's easier in my head to think that I can play this off than it will be once it gets into my mouth. That's what she said. It's yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's an experience that I will never repeat. I will never re like there is nothing that you, even if you were like, I'll get a tattoo, I'll shave my head. Uh, there's nothing you could put up that would get me to counter with, OK, I'll eat the mayonnaise again. 49ers win the Super Bowl. God. You want to eat mayo for the 49ers to win the Super Bowl. How much yeah. mayo? <laughs> just, I like I feel like you would have to eat a whole a whole entire bowl like nope. it filled to the rim you nope. wouldn't do that for the 49ers to win no and for the whole 49ers nation to just like celebrate 
nope i'm sorry i i'd have to leave it up to chance at that point like there's a lot i would do i would probably get a tattoo i think i could stomach that but not the mayonnaise no way you think you could stomach a tattoo yeah hopefully i'll get a tattoo of mayonnaise does that count like a little jar of mayonnaise <laughs> no but you should get that one where it says uh super bowl lvii winner those people are just absurd. Know, like, what do they do really... once it doesn't work out? I'm you sorry just... if you're listening and you've done that once, but that's one of the stupidest things I've ever seen. Like, just get it after they won. Like, what is the upside of getting it before? <laughs> like, I don't get it. You know what the upside is? Every time you meet somebody and you show them the tattoo, you're like, yeah, I actually got it the year before they won the Super Bowl. Like, that's it. I would be like, okay, now I I know who you are and I don't like you because <laughs> right. I know the type of person you are and that's stupid. This coming from a person who has a live, laugh, love tattoo. Hey, hey, no, that is in private. I don't think we've ever <laughs> said that on the pod. I don't share it. It's on my foot and I'm embarrassed. I got it when I was 18. And yeah, now every time I see those commercials making fun of live, laugh, love, I die inside a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we're going to leave it there. I can't think of a better way to end the show. Please rate, review, follow. If you've got a weird tattoo or a tattoo that you regret, let us know. Leave it in the review in the comments. I promise you we see them and we will read them on the show. Enjoy your weekend, everybody. Michelle, I hope you have a kick-ass weekend. I don't even know what you're doing, but I hope it's great. I'm sure it'll be great. I have no plans, but it should be fun. Bye, y'all. Well, you're going to like cut out the awkwardness, right? Nope.